This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, an author's book of fiction offers a chilling cautionary tale about the mind control powers of social media. The real threat that we have is that through these algorithms and artificial intelligence and the like, ultimately, we can create personalized DNA, psychological DNA for anybody out there by all the reactions and the analysis that can be done. That's when it becomes the motivator. That's when you can plant the seeds in in folks' minds. And they do it on a a low level today. I think it actually happens today in some levels, but it's just going to get better and better. There's no question about that. This podcast is brought to you by Paranormal Contractors. If you have unwanted paranormal activity in your home or business, this is no time to be dealing with amateurs. You need to bring in the professionals. Paranormal Contractors is a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. They utilize the latest scientific technology to investigate, authenticate, and remediate your ghost or demon problem. Call them at this new number, 631 552-5835, 631-552-5835. That's 631-552-5835. Email paranormalcontractors at gmail.com and tell them Richard sent you. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Friday. Douglas Wood, the author of a brand new book, a techno thriller about social media and mind control is standing by. And Christian Dicadieu will also be here. 
the co-host of Reverse Speech Radio, with another amazing reversal. Although Dark Data, Control-Alt-Delete, is a work of fiction, the experts that Douglas Wood interviewed while writing the book warned that the reality of this book's scenes could be just one click, share, tweet, or like away. Dark Data sheds light on the dangers of social media and the mystery that is the selfish ledger. Involving questionable characters in positions high and low, Douglas brilliantly portrays what could happen if the wrong people control information that has the potential to destroy us all. Douglas is the author of the award-winning Samantha Harrison political trilogy. In 2018, he published his memoir, Asshole Attorney, Musing Memories and Missteps in a 40-Year Career. A partner at Reed Smith, he has over four decades of experience in the practice of entertainment and media law, allowing him to frequently impart knowledge gained from his career into his books. He and his wife live in New Jersey. Douglas Wood, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Congratulations on Dark Data, Control, Alt, Delete. Give us a, a just a quick thumbnail sketch of what this uh, techno-thriller, I guess that's what this emerging genre is called. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's what? a good description for them. The idea behind the book is that an alliance between a financial terrorists and an Islamic uh, radical terrorist, so that the financial terrorist who wants to upset financial markets and the radical terrorist wants to do other things um, funds that exercise in order to to create uh, uh, financial chaos throughout the world. So that's kind of the underlying premise. And, and it, it then takes it from there to go into the, the way people are manipulated by social media and other postings and how they have essentially lost all semblance of privacy, even though they may think they have it, and can actually be motivated and mapped uh, from their behavioral standpoint and then influenced to do uh, acts or, or, or whatever they may, may, the terrorists may want them to do uh, subconsciously. Um, so it it comes it it derives from a video idea that was out there called the selfish ledger yes. by Google, and it talks about the psychological DNA that can be created by accumulating all of the data that we share knowingly and unknowingly on the internet, and that then can be mined and mapped uh, via you know artificial intelligence and otherwise machine learning and ultimately then communications and this is sort of the gist of the story here is a uh, particular character that has the ability in this book to to send messages to people all around the world and cause them to do terrorist acts as if they were doing it with their own volition when in fact they are not they're compelled to do it because of the deep psychological knowledge that this selfish ledger and the dna uh, can be used to to motivate people so the idea is that, um, you know, when I write my novels, I try to make sure they are not just, uh, you, know, um, you know, pure fiction, but they're based on facts and are very plausible. So that's the that's the gist of this book is to hopefully scare the bejesus out of people in terms of the <laughs> next time they the next time they post or click or like or whatever. I hope it does. I really hope it does, because I am seeing social media and the implications, particularly when we're talking about algorithms and AI, as, as a potential existential threat. So let's talk a bit more about Selfish Ledger, because the question that I have is, is the future here, now, already? I mean, is it upon us? Oh, I don't think there's any question that it is, but, it's, but it may be in its, its early stages, but it's definitely here. And we see it 
you see how it's used for recruiting terrorism, how it's, it's used in, in sort of a, a more um, obvious method to influence people's behavior. But, but that's just the beginning of it. The real, the real um, threat that we have is that through these algorithms and artificial intelligence and the like, ultimately, we can create personalized DNA, psychological DNA for anybody out there. Uh, by all the reactions and the analysis that can be done, that's when it becomes the motivator. That's when it, it, it you can plant the seeds in in folks' minds, and they do it on a on a low level today. I, I think it actually happens today in some levels, but it's just going to get better and better. There's no question about that. I mean, artificial intelligence is is expanding at exponential rates, um, and it's just a matter of time before it will be able to. You know, artificial and, and massive computers will be able to make decisions faster than we can and be able to analyze amounts of data in milliseconds that would take us many years to even begin to try to absorb. And when that happens, then I believe that what I've said in my book will happen. Well, let's look at uh, China's social credit system. And they hired, right. I, I think it was Alibaba, uh -huh. uh, to help develop these algorithms. And the, in order to determine an individual, you know, 1.3 billion souls in China to develop, or determine rather their social credit scores and um you know if you drink too much if you play too many video games if you speak ill of the government your score will go down and how how different is that from selfish the selfish ledger it's it's not much i mean the, china right now has facial recognition software that's in place that is mapping people whenever they're in china it's it's far advanced more advanced facial recognition than what we're used to here. And what they're doing in China is they're doing exactly what you said. They're scoring people and then they're punishing people. If, if they don't like what you have done or they wanna change your behavior, they'll deny you internet access. So they can turn the internet off and on for you uh, or not allow you to do transactions on the internet. So they're using it not only to, to map the people's behavior, but also if they don't like that behavior, to punish them. Right. And I think there's been instances where people have been denied entrance to university of their choice or even getting on a train uh, or leaving the country because their credit score. The scary thing is, is that the people of China in large measure seem to want this. I mean, they, they tweet out their with glee, you know, their credits, their social credit score. Yeah, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me how people will take pride in being stupid. Because they will post things and, and brag about them and say things that that they know are hurtful and they know are revealing private facts about themselves and others, and they do it with impunity. And then they wonder why someone says something about them or they're denied something. And it, take, for example, and these are, these are just fundamentals where even if you're going to hire someone today, it's quite common to do a, a, a simple search on the Internet to see what they're doing and posting on Facebook or or Instagram or whatever they're posting on. And how often do you see people posting very foolish photographs? And that, in effect, will deny them a job. If, if I see somebody, if I'm hiring uh, someone and I see them uh, on an internet post where they're drunk and, and you know doing something stupid, that's, that's going to certainly influence whether I'll hire that person, and I probably won't. Now, you take that and you can make it to a point where it doesn't matter what what you posted this one or two times, but with something like the selfish ledger and all of the algorithms and the and the ability to to take big data and dissect it into um, you know individuals' behavior, you can make that even more predictive and deny or grant people uh, whatever you feel you need to do to motivate them to do what you want them to do. And yeah. They don't even know it's happening. Right. Right. 
And and Facebook, a couple of years ago, uh, or maybe last year, they began this program that assigns every user a reputation score, which predicts their trustworthiness. That sounds kind of eerily familiar, doesn't it? It doesn't. It's not far off if it's not already here in some form where we're all going to rate each other. We're all going to get stars and we're going to, you know, all have our Yelp score or whatever it's going to be. And that's ultimately going to happen. There's no question about that in my mind. Well, uh, and we certainly have the the infrastructure here to implement, I would say, something like the social credit. We have the databases, we have the digital mm-hmm. surveillance, we have, uh, you know, a, a government knows best attitude, which mm-hmm. is kind of scary. We have uh, ubiquitous social networks. Um, to what extent is that, uh, do you think, going to be used in, in North America uh, to start shaping behavior? Well, I think it'd be uh, one way is, is elections. I mean, when you think about uh, the creating behavioral modification, we saw some of it in 2016. We're going to see a lot more of it in 2020. That election is going to be filled with all sorts of manipulation via social media, whether it's going to be you know, just told, totally fake, you know, interviews and speeches that never occurred, or it's going to be false information that's going to sway people, allegations that are made before they're even proven, and then once they're made, they're impossible to stop the, the flow of, of exacerbating it throughout the population. So, so those, those are mild ways of doing it. And the, you know, if, if someone really has enough knowledge on individuals uh, through the, their, their the internet and, and, and managing uh, big data, they could blackmail them. They could influence them subconsciously. There's lots of things that can happen, uh, and that's kind of that was the theory behind this book. I've got a, you know, a financial terrorist who wants to to have a, a world financial crash that he's going to orchestrate by by funding a uh, radical terrorist to commit acts around various places around the world through different methodologies, and then their third conspirator is a person who knows how to. Uh, take the social ledger and take that con- concept of the selfish ledger, rather, and and manipulate individuals so that you no longer have to have organized cells. You can influence a single person, or you can influence a group of people, and that's the theory behind this 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 book. So it it takes that idea, tries to plausibly put plausibly put it into a context that people will believe is real. Uh, and uh, then they can make their own conclusions based upon upon you know their 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 view of what I've what I've written. When you were researching for the book, who did you speak to, and 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 what conversation uh, in terms of the technology and what's happening, I guess, frightened you the most? Uh, the uh, I talked to a lot of computer scientists. I talked to uh, hackers, um, both white hat and black hat hackers. I spoke to. Some politicians, I, I, you know, the amazing thing when you write a novel is the number of people who talk to you. I, when I started writing novels, I always thought that, you know, it's going to be really hard. I'm going to call somebody up and say, gee, I'm writing a book. Would you talk to me? And they're going to tell me to go away. The, the exact opposite happens. So it's amazing who you can talk to. Uh, but I spoke to a lot of people about about this. And the one that the, a couple of things that really struck me is the the scientists out there, the ones who are the computer scientists who are who are moving this forward with the big companies and, you know, the usual suspects. They they are not hesitant to just keep moving forward. 
I mean, they, they, you know, if you if you think, I always try to think of something offline, non-technology that that's an analogy to this. And and the the one that strikes me is cloning. Remember when cloning was a big deal and they cloned that sheep? And, oh yes. And and then the medical profession got up in uproars and ethicists got up in uproars about the ethic, you know, the the ethics of in the of, of cloning and all these other things. And it kind of slowed down. And today, cloning is 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 out there, but it's not. It, it got it got stalled and it got uh, put some brakes on it. That's not happening in technology. People are 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 going full speed to, to get as much capacity and speed as possible on these computers. And while you know no one knows can can you know want to sound totally crazy that it'll turn into you know the Matrix or or you know Terminator or we want to you know see in the in the entertainment world but there's an awful lot of it out there right now and and the scientists and the computer scientists they're not stopping it's going to happen i heard a i heard a um a speech by a guy uh from one of the big computer companies and he was talking about how they are mapping the brain the way they uh previously had mapped uh, the dna and the and the genome and and said you know there'll come a day when we will be able to map every single cell, if you will, um, in your brain. And at that point, we can then create the ability to make judgments just as if your brain were making them. And, okay. and he and he didn't. And someone said, There's a, should you not care about that? Should you not, you know, you should you not have concerns about going that far? And literally, he stood in and says, No, why? What's the matter with that? Yeah, he, he mm. just didn't care. Right, right. I, I'm remembering a, a, a statement by Vladimir Putin a couple of years ago. And, you know, he <laughs> Yes, he's a bit of a, he's a thug, there's no question, yeah. but I think yeah. what he said has some truth to it. And he said, artificial intelligence is the greatest threat to humanity. Do you remember well, that speech? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and St Stephen Hawkins has said that. Others have said that. I mean, uh, Elon um, Musk, of, of, um, yeah, Elon Musk has said it. So there's a lot of people who have said that artificial intelligence has a very dangerous component to it if it's left unfettered. And my concern is that, particularly given the, the the nature of the world and the fact that there are people with far less, far fewer ethics than we might have in North America in various parts of the world, and they're going to see an advantage to be able to have artificial intelligence, and and they're not going to stop at it. I don't think China will. I, I don't think Russia will. I think a lot of Eastern European countries will move this forward. A lot of the, a lot of the bots and the the the, in, the infections that are in the internet, you know, with these. Um, non-human traffic and all this other stuff they a lot of that comes from eastern europe where they have no restrictions and and their, their programmers kind of do whatever they want to do and and uh they keep advancing the the uh, the process i was talking to a white hat hacker uh, you know someone who works for companies and trying to secure their systems and um you know he was telling me that you know no matter how good our programmers are here whether they're at google or microsoft or, or intel anywhere there's better ones in Eastern Europe because they pay them more hmm. and that they will they will always have a a better programmer there that will eventually be able to figure out whatever firewall, whatever security system you put up. They they over time will hack into it. And we've seen it countless times. So all the encryption, all the algorithms, all the protections that you think you have, it's just as he would say, it. he was just a matter of time before they're broken. So that's why you have to constantly be on the defense and tr constantly try to. To deal with this, it's like what did we see the other day where um, we were the, the so-called Five Eyes. That's the United States, Canada, New Zealand, yes. Australia, and Great Britain. 
they were accused of shutting down a portion of the Russian power grid. I don't know if it's true or not, but but the allegation is that we have, uh, I forget what the name of the program is, there's some program that the Five Eyes have that is infiltrating the the equivalent of uh, Russia's Google. And, and you know, so and they're, if, they're, if we're doing it to them, they're doing it to us. Oh, yes. There's you no know, question. It's, 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 you know, we're rushing. I would be more concerned with, with building internet defense systems than I would be another aircraft carrier, submarine, or rocket. More of my conversation with author Douglas Wood when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. All right, that time of the week, Friday, that means a visit from Christian D. Cadieu, the co-host of Reverse Speech Radio. Christian, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. Thanks, Richard. It's always a pleasure. So last week we introduced folks to Reverse Speech Radio. This is a podcast uh, where they can hear these amazing reversals and uh, understand how this technology works. And we also mm-hmm. played a clip from the late British television presenter Jimmy Savile, who, as it turns out, was a, uh, a monster, a complete monster, a, a pedophile. He abused young children, just a horrific human being. So we're going to play another clip here from Jimmy Savile. It's an interview that takes place in a car. We'll hear the interviewer speaking, a woman. We'll have to listen very closely, and then we'll hear a one-word response from Jimmy Savile, and then the reversal. Here we go. Why do you say in interviews that you hate children when I've seen you with kids, and um, you clearly enjoy their company, and you have a good rapport with them? Right. The forward speech, we hear a female interviewer interviewing mm-hmm. Jimmy Savile, and she's saying, you say that you hate children, that you don't like children, but I've seen you with children. Clearly, you have a rapport with children. And he has a one-word answer. He says, right. That's all he That's says, right. forward. But then the Correct. reversal, it's very clear. He says, I'm the devil. That's right. How is that possible? It, he only said one word, right? And you even have to listen to hear that word. And the word is right. This is how powerful his unconscious mind and how convinced he was that he was the devil. He wanted to be the Aleister Crowley, the next Aleister Crowley, plain and simple. He wanted to be evil. And he surrounded himself with it. Remarkable, remarkable. And uh, just a horrible, horrible monster. If you want to hear more of this type of thing, you can listen to Reverse Speech Radio. This is a new podcast hosted by Christian D. Cadieux and David John Oates, the discoverer of Reverse Speech. Christian, how do they listen? Okay, well, you can go to reversespeech.ca and find all the information and all the, the links will be there to, uh, to listen to the podcast. Or you can find us on Libsyn. All right, we'll talk again next week. Thanks a lot, Christian. Thank you, Richard. Reverse Speech Radio, a podcast committed to delivering the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. New episodes drop every Thursday. For more information, go to reversespeech.ca or listen and subscribe at reversespeechradio.libson.com. reality richard is a very strong and handsome man just not in our reality although i heard somebody passing him in the hall the other day and it was good good a handsome man richard is 
Hamedara. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. We are back with Douglas Wood, the author of Dark Data. I just wanted to circle back to AI for a moment and it could, because yeah. I'm remembering a couple years ago also Facebook and uh, they were experimenting uh, with AI. And do you remember this? They actually, they had to turn it, they turned the switch off because they found uh, there were two um, AI programs. They were chatting to each other in a language only they seemed to understand. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and and it was, you're right, they, they shut it off and at least they shut it off then, but I don't have any doubt in my mind that there are folks who are still researching that and seeing what other applications there are for it. Why not? I mean, that, that's just, that's science. That's what science does. And until they're restrained because of a sense of ethics or a sense of decency, it will go, it goes on and on. And and it, it's nice. And there doesn't appear to be any real um, um, sense of ethics in this context anymore. Right, except when this Frankenstein's monster gets off the table, you know, we're not going to defeat him with pitchforks and torches. No. No, the one the one way to defeat it, and think about this for a second, the one way to defeat it is, would it theoretically be to turn off the Internet. So if you, But if you turned off the Internet, all our sense of banking, communications, everything would go down. So you, that's not an option. So, so you have given the mechanism to convey all the information that artificial intelligence needs to have to, to operate. You have put it in the hands of the very beast, if you will, that could come to haunt you someday. Because you can't, you're so addicted to it, we're so dependent on technology, and we're all on the grid that shutting it down is no longer an option. It'll be like taking the air out of the atmosphere. Can't do it. Right. So how do you defend against that? It'll be, it'll be, it'll be the, the, the person who's going to win is going to be the guy who's somewhere in Iowa with a 53 Ford, no phone, and, and a shotgun. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, those are the guys who are going to win on that deal. Right. It's, if, it's like if we have another major EM... Um, um, solar flare like the Carrington event back in the 1850s mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, only you know the Amish will survive but the, the rest yeah, of us true. Um, that's true you know it should go without notice it should not go without notice that, that Facebook is now coming out with it's Bitcoin too it's it's cyber it's a uh, cryptocurrency so even that you know the whole money exchanges everything is going to be uh, completely dependent upon the internet China is said to they, they I think they predicted they're going to have no There'll be no paper currency in China in the next few years. I forget what year they said. Maybe it was 2024 or something like that. They're the ones who invented paper currency, and they're not going to have it anymore. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, in Canada, they're slowly taking this denomination out of circulation and that denomination uh, blaming counterfeiting. They're blaming counterfeiting, counterfeiting. yeah. Right. Well, look at all the the controls they put in bills now. I understand. in in your book, in Dark uh, Data, the yeah. one of the villains is is a Russian oligarch. But it seems right. to me that, you know, and of course we went through all that hoopla of the the Russians interfering with the election and so forth. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It turns out, okay, maybe they spent fifteen thousand dollars in Facebook ads. But it seems to me that the potential uh, villain is authority and and institutions. For example, uh, you know, the police have this these threat scoring al- algorithms um, right now, which sounds some, like something right out of, what was that futuristic movie? I think it was called Gattaca or something, yeah. Where, yeah. They, where they're going to arrest people because they may commit a future crime. But I mean, that, right. that stuff is happening now with these algorithms. 
Sure. Absolutely. And, it, it, and there are some good applications to those things. But the problem is that that what all the good things that can happen in those kinds of situations nowadays, they they are, are you know capable of doing the exact opposite. And they're very inexpensive, very easy to access. They can be accessed anywhere in the world and used and influence people wherever you want. And trying to trace it and, and know where its source is is increasingly impossible. Or it's coming out of a country that doesn't care what the people do, authorities there that don't care. So, you know, it's it's putting good tools in the hands of criminals who can then use them to their heart's content with impunity. To what extent uh, is... Let's say uh, Antifa, uh, Antifa, for example, uh, mm. and they, they just seem to be running rampant in places like Portland. What, what, to what extent do you think their actions are being manipulated by social media? Uh, good question. I don't, I don't know. I think they're amateurish in, in terms of they're just a bunch of thugs for the most part, you know, and, and provocateurs. I think that social media really is where it's really more – invasive is much more subtle you know you can you can get a flash mob going on social media and that's all well and fine and you can cause a riot to, to you know to un, you know unravel something and i'm not saying anything that's good it's all bad but it's planting the seeds with with individuals whose behavior you be able to map and then influence to me is a much bigger issue and a much more powerful tool that we'll see eventually evolve and to what extent are the social media platforms, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Google, YouTube, what, to what extent are, are they culpable in, in uh, this, you know, scenario? Yeah, I mean, that's, it, yeah, that's, a, that's a great question. And if we sort of look historically, you know, we've always had a philosophy, at least in the States, that common carriers, as they're called, the telephone company, that if I call you up and, and threaten you on the telephone, the telephone company's not liable for that because we need the communication device so if someone happens to use that device in an illegal fashion the company the underlying company is not involved and that's the defense that the googles and facebook's use today they, they want to be seen as a common carrier the the argument however is that unlike the telephone where you're just talking you know to one another they have the ability to uh, to look at content to be aware of what's going on they can monitor it and they have folks who do that they have folks who literally, you know, look at a lot of the stuff that's posted and, um, you know, don't allow it up. But on the other hand, a lot of stuff does get up there and, and it's it's impossible from their perspective to control that. So it's be, we're at a point where you'd think that there would be a technology application that they ought to be spending a lot more money on than they are because they're making so much money that they ought to be culpable. And there have been, you know, some bills in Congress down here that have tried to create liability for the platforms they haven't passed. Uh, and, uh, you know, so they're very strong lobbies and they, they want to be viewed as a common carrier. Now, let's look at the other side of that coin. Let's say they're going to be culpable. We'll make them culpable. Then what's going to happen? There's going to be censorship like you wouldn't believe. And so th there'll be a lot of good stuff thrown out with the bad stuff. Is that what we want? You know, so the, the questions, you know, the, the answers and the, that we've sort of dug a hole for ourselves here are very difficult to come by. You know, to to to, our, to to come up with an answer today, because we become so addicted to this, and it's so much of our lives and so important in our lives that if they started to take it away, 
I mean, it's, it's exactly, and which is exactly what China's doing. They're using it as the weapon. So, you know, Facebook, Google, Twitter can all eventually be weaponized by the, in the wrong hands. To what extent is this problem going to be exacerbated by 5G? If you, if you listen to folks who, who are allegedly knowledgeable in 5G, it's going to put everything on steroids in terms of speed, and it'll, it'll just make it a lot easier to manipulate big data and to, to get um, uh, the information in remote areas so that, you know, the cell tower problem is not as acute with 5G. Uh, so it's going to make it all the more easy to 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 mine and and uh, store and manipulate the data. Would you like to see uh, sort of a, a Teddy Roosevelt uh, maneuver like he did with Standard Oil and and uh, see these these giant uh, Silicon Valley companies and so forth broken up? I don't know. You know, I don't know that that's the answer. I mean, there's obviously folks who, who feel they're too big, and maybe they are. I mean, some of these companies have grown terribly large, and they stifle competition and, and, and actually hurt entrepreneurs. But let's assume we were to break up uh, some of these large internet uh, monoliths that we have here in, in, the North, in North America. That's going to stop the ones in China. That's not going to stop the ones in, uh, in Russia and elsewhere. So the, the monolithic uh, uh, data mines that are out there you know that are that have billions of, of bits of data uh, on on countless people. We can't shut that down. You know, it's going to be there. So I don't know. Is it better to have a very large Facebook and Google here in North America as opposed to a bunch of little companies that are not going to be able to compete with the monoliths that are in the other countries? I don't know. But um, it, it's it is clear that they wield a lot of power. But on the other hand. Uh, maybe they need that. It sounds, though, as if you're saying we can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So uh, it, it looks like we're we're looking at a very dystopian future. I unfortunately, <laughs> I don't want to sound like I'm sort of a you know some kind of a nut because I don't think I am. I'm just a, I'm a fiction writer. But but you know, with fiction, is often becomes reality at some point. We've seen that. I don't know how many see that all the time. And uh, you know, this is the, the this is the story I've tried to tell. In dark data, and I, I, you know, as my one editor said, it scared the hell out of her, and I hope it does. It scared the hell of me writing it and talking to some <laughs> of the people. <laughs> well, if people want a good scare, how do they get a hold of dark data? Control Alt Delete. Uh, it'll be up. It's officially published in, in in early August. It'll be on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, all the all the online um, um, you know distributors, and in Kindle, and and eventually it'll be in bookstores. That's up to my publisher. I, I, that's a question only she can she can answer. But it comes out officially in in, um, in August. Can they pre-order? Yes, the pre-orders I believe are are available within the next couple of weeks. Douglas, thank you so much for this. No, my pleasure. It's very enjoyable. Dark data, controlled, okay. alt, delete. Yep. Excellent. And just remember, log off. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Thank you. Uh, okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll fill you in on what's in store on Monday's edition of Conspiracy Unlimited. 
If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the star chamber. $20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and Whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me. And all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited, the star of the Discovery Channel's Raised Hunting discusses the anti-hunting movement and what it's like being a Christian conservative on television. We've had death threats. We've had threats to not only kill us, but to do it in such a way that you would never even dream that someone could even think of that and sent to us through social media or email messages to the point where my wife has had times where she was afraid to go out of the house. And these are the people that supposedly love the animals. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs> <laughs>